in the squadron. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I made a mistake. I didn't make a mistake, but they asked me, would I like to debate this gentleman? And I said, no. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Woo, you go, Joe. Threatening violence against President Trump. Threatening violence. You know, I'm always hearing from, um, well, just about everybody. Oh, Donald Trump. If only he didn't say that. If only he didn't say this. He doesn't talk about um, the reason why people get upset. He's so effective in getting the message out. They really don't listen. He's never advocated that kind of violence. All right. Maybe once, you know, he's at the, "Ah, I wish it was like the old days. You could, you know. Thump somebody on the way into the paddy wagon. He called it the paddy wagon. Um, I called it the paddy wagon, too, once. I didn't realize that's an anti-Irish thing. It, I guess technically it is. James Flippin is here. Hello, James. Hey, Greg. Yeah, you just kind of blew my mind with the anti-Irish thing. I didn't realize that either. Oh, yeah, paddy wagon, the paddies, like where are all the drunk <laughs> right. Irish people? They're paddies, what do you call them? And they're uh-huh. in the paddy wagon. Um, I don't believe in those stereotypes. Uh, but, um, yeah, paddy wagon. I, I The first time I said it, I thought it was just... I don't know. And uh, I, I mean, I said it on TV and they somebody got upset. That clip from Biden, that was during Trump's presidency, right? Uh, Yeah. Like yeah. 2017 or 18? I think it's against the law to say that you would like, like to punch a president in the nose. But I think that, doesn't well. he sound vigorous in that clip? Let's like try compared it. to what he is now? Let's try it again. I made a mis- I didn't make a mistake, but they asked me, would I like to debate this gentleman? I said, no. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. I just don't think you even hear that much punchiness from him. No no pun intended with yep. the term. But That's like... true. That's true. And the other thing is, every school did have a place where fights took place, right? It had a location. For my, in my school, middle, middle school, we didn't call it middle school number one, which sounds so juvenile, middle school. We called it junior high junior school. Junior high, uh-huh. And the place to fight was at the bike rack. Meet me at the bike rack after, after school, which really people talked about fighting more than they actually fought. Right. I think I saw like two fights in all of high school. Now, everybody, there are these social media sites dedicated to documenting and promoting and distributing images of crazy fights in the school. Jane Slippin, do me a favor. Listen to this. We'll listen to it together. An ABC7 report about a Queens teacher threatened because she's pro-Israel. Cut nine, please. Cut nine. A police investigation into the chaos at a Queens High School. Chaos sparked by the discovery of a teacher who attended a pro-Israel rally. Investigators will closely examine this video posted on TikTok. Police say the 45-year-old teacher works at Hillcrest High School in Jamaica. Officers went to the school on Monday after she reported a social media threat from an unknown person. Mayor Eric Adams called the harassment a vile show of anti-Semitism and ignorance-fueled hatred that won't be tolerated in school or anywhere else. Wow, Eric Adams, such strong words, words, words. That's all he's got. That's all he knows how to do. Doesn't know how to do anything. And guess what? He goes to certain neighborhoods. He says he speaks, uh, he sings a different tune. Uh, James, what else is going on out there? Well, I mean, in connection to what you're talking about, that demonstration or, you know, harassment, I guess, whatever you'd call it out at Hillcrest High School. Yesterday, we had this shutdown of the Manhattan Bridge. 
it was a pro-Palestinian protest. Oh, yeah, we saw that. I uh, played that earlier, yeah. Yeah, there was about 500 people on there blocking traffic, effectively, you know, for hours. So then emerge, uh, reports started to emerge this morning that some arrests had been made. And I thought to myself, okay, well, what's some arrests? And I called the police department. Apparently, there were three people arrested. One of them was actually facing charges. One, a man who was given a disorderly conduct summons. And then one, a woman who was given a disorderly conduct summons. 500 people blocking traffic and three people arrested? That doesn't sound right. You know what, uh, you know what the Ray Kelly guy, uh, Ray Kelly era would have done? 500 people leave the street once, twice, three. You're arrested. Actually, they wouldn't even let him take over the street. That's the thing. You got, you can't just give up a bridge. What if somebody has to get somewhere? What if there's an ambulance? What if there's a million things? What if it's right? You know, it's just business as usual. You don't get to shut down our bridge. You want to shoot your mouth off? Do it on the sidewalk. And also, if you do want to get arrested, civil disobedience, right? Civil disobedience. There was a time and a place for civil disobedience. And yeah, you can get arrested. You know, there's a lot of bad things I've got to say about Al Sharpton. All right. I can't stand that guy. And I do believe he's got some real issues in his heart, especially toward the um, the Asian community. But when it came time to uh, civil disobedience, in his own way, he was cooperative. He's like, we're not going to take. All right. We're not going to take over the bridge. All right. We're just for, for five minutes. We're going to try to We're going to try to shut it down at this time. Like they, they coordinated with the cops and the cops would arrest him. You know what I mean? OK, we, we, we don't want you to do that. But if you do, we're going to. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It was orchestrated in a in a holistic way, believe it or not. Yeah, the event and the display was sort of the point, right? Like, like for instance, yeah, if I want to if I want to protest something and I want to get people's attention, I'm going to go into the street and do it. And I'm a full time guy like that. I could just do it. You know what I mean? And try to get as many people as I could to mm-hmm. stay with me and don't move. Mm hmm. And uh, really try to shut down the street, or I could give the cops a heads up. Right, we're going to be here at this time. If you want to do anything about it, and I, you know, so Al Sharpton, believe it or not, used to do that. Used to actually, you know, and yeah, uh, uh-huh. am, and which isn't the worst. It's like it's kind of in in its own bizarro way courteous. <laughs> right, like in other words, you're saying that there's a way to still be a functioning member of society and express your right to protest. Or, you know, call to attention something you think is not being focused on enough. Exactly. Now, listen to Alan Dershowitz, big brainiac lawyer. Love this guy. Cut 10. Well, it has nothing to do with Palestine. It has nothing to do with ceasefires. There's now a ceasefire, essentially. Nobody's getting killed. This has to do with ending Israel and destroying the United States. These are Hitler's youth. These are the people who brought the Ayatollahs to power. These are the people who brought Stalin to power. The, there's no justification. They are bad people. They could be 19 and 20. The group is consisted of two people, really, really bad people and useful idiots, who some of them are just on panty raids. You know, yeah, it's easier to have sex if you join the left and march with them. Some of them just are that naive and that stupid. Hold on a second. If it's left- what the hell was that all about? What? I think I okay. I I'm picking up what he's putting down. He's saying that uh, if you want to get with the liberal girls, just you know, right? Just show up and it's right? the cool crowd. In other words, it's the cool crowd. 
And I don't know. Maybe they're a little bit easier than rock, on the other side of the political rock spectrum. Rock and roll, <laughs> sex. I don't know. Rock and roll. Hard rock is generally more conservative. So I don't know what kind of music these uh, these people are into down there. But um, that's interesting. Keep going, Professor. Oh, shoot. That was the end. Well, that was the best part. <laughs> Very insightful. It did kind of get juicy there. All right. Yeah. Is there anything else I need to know? Uh, let's see. So there are two hospitals that have their emergency rooms shut down in New Jersey following a ransomware attack. It was like a cyber attack that took over the systems of these two hospitals, and they, they don't have the ability to service their emergency rooms right now. So You know what? Too much of society is on computers. Too much is just, you know, it must be computerized. It must be on a computer. We had emergency rooms for a long time, and they weren't on a computer. Right? Right? Yeah, I mean, but it, it feels like we kind of can't put that back in the box at this point, right? I mean, we're kind of beyond. You should see the way I do my uh, operation, especially, you know, whether it's TV or whatever. I do it all on a whiteboard. I do. I like your whiteboard, actually. I'm looking at it now. And I wish those uh, cops in Suffolk County over the years uh, broke out the whiteboard instead of just, okay, the computer will tell us, the computer will tell us. Well, the computer is, in a weird way, only as smart as the commands you give it. My brother once said, computers are stupid. If you tell it to put on your uh, its uh, socks and shoes, it will put on its uh, – or, or shoes and socks. Everybody says shoes and socks. It will put on its shoes, and then it will put on the socks after it. Um, but, you know, they knew all that stuff about the alleged serial Gilgo murderer. Uh, they knew he was a big ogre-like guy. They knew he probably lived in Massapequa Park. They knew he probably worked in Midtown Manhattan. They knew he probably drove a Chevy Avalanche. Four things. Flipping, you and I – with those four pieces of information, could have solved that case in a weekend. Yeah. I still think it's kind of bizarre in a way that the guy was such a – the description they had was such a dead ringer for this guy. And then not far from where the bodies were found, this guy lives for, what, 30, 40 years. It's weird. And they had all that stuff. They had the stuff. They had it. They had it. But the computer didn't know or mischaracterized the Chevy Avalanche. Some said it was a truck. Some said it was a car. Some said it was – and – you know, well, the computer was didn't have it, so they just get get the hell out there, walk by every single house, look for that car, look for anything unusual. You take one look at Hoyerman's house, you would have said, you know what? <laughs> uh, if I had a bet, I'd bet a serial killer lives inside. <laughs> it's a kind of right. It did look like that, yeah. All right, so that's that. And the other thing, uh, ransomware. You know, I, I want to get back to that thing I was talking about with lesbians and the pornography. Okay. You know, some people, and it has happened. I, I, I raised this at a dinner party over the weekend, and people were in utter shock. You know what I mean? I they, guess you're not supposed to bring blanched. up. Yeah, but I'm like, look, uh, forgive me, but you have tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people doing something that they weren't doing 20 years ago. They were not looking at pornography. Some people were, but you had to go to some trouble. You had to go to the video rental place and actually show your face and rent the video. Not everybody was willing to do that. You had to go to a, you know, some store somewhere, you know, not even an X-rated store, the regular store, like the the newsstand. And you had to get that. Not everybody was willing to do that. Um, but now you don't, <laughs> there's no public scrutiny whatsoever. Women are as hooked as men, I'm told. And it's a thing. It's a thing. And I think that's why a couple of things are going on. People are actually having less sex than ever before, especially millennials. You know why? Uh, well, they got the porno, and they also are getting their emotional fix from all those stupid TV shows on. I know they're great TV shows, whether it's uh, Ozark or 
Walking Man or Dead Woman, whatever those shows are called. What are some shows? Oh, what's the other one that everybody likes? Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. I saw one episode of Yellowstone. I was like, I can't handle this. It's too much. Mm-hmm. Too much. You watch that Yellowstone? Um, actually, I haven't. I've, I've. It's one of those shows that like people say, oh, you got to watch this one. But but that's all they say. So at the table over the weekend, everyone's. Like, Have you seen this show? No. Oh, it's so good. Have you seen this show? No. Oh, it's so good. That's all they could talk about, right? And uh, that's all anybody's doing anymore. But I can't really picture you enjoying like fictional dramas. I, I picture you like putting on the History Channel, you know, watching something sort of educational, maybe Discovery or something like that. You know, uh, you're more right than wrong. I have been known to uh, indulge in, um, you know, you know, in, well, you know, I think that's the way your brain tends to work a little bit more. Right. I just I like the TV shows. It's it's addicting, but it gets you nowhere. Mm. It gets you no place. And, uh, well, what's the connection to the lesbians in the porn? Oh, hmm, 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 Because you started out. Oh, yes, because the trans fixation. All these trans dudes, like that guy who insisted on on using the women's room. Mm. That's a man, a biological man who's dressing as a woman. Forgive me, pretending to be a woman. And why is that? I do believe because so fixated on the lesbian pornography wants to be like that, wants to be in that moment. And how do you do that? How do you achieve that by becoming a woman? Mm. Now, where did this come from? Give give me a better theory as to why the hell this is being everywhere. Well, I mean, I think that there are elements of human sexuality that have definitely been kind of... Give know, me a theory as to why it's a bigger, bigger deal than kept, ever before. Kept down, you know, buried, you know, no longer told that that's not... Um, acceptable. Like, in other words, we've seen over the last 20, 30 years the way ideas have changed surrounding sexuality. I remember Renee Richards and tennis in the 1970s, a sex change operation. You're talking about the guy who joined the women's store to, like, win or something like that? No, no, this is a woman. um, Look, sex change operations have been around for a long time. Right. And there's no more or less stigma than ever before. There's something – this is – this is more than taking away the stigma. This is active encouragement. And I think leading the charge, quite frankly, and they're so militant, are these uh, men who want to be women because of the sex. Yeah. Because of the sex. I actually probably have more agreement with you than not. There that. we go. But I'm, what I'm saying is that I think that people make it out to be a transgender issue when it's actually about sexuality. Uh, yeah, whatever you just said. <laughs> Well, I mean, gender, right? Like, you know, men and women, you know, then we also know they could be either homosexual or heterosexual, but they're still men and women. Yeah. You're the first gay person I ever heard say homosexual. That's a word that we're not supposed to use anymore, I thought. Is it? A little bit. I guess I'm I'm, I'm allowed. But you're not allowed to say the first part. Yeah, you're allowed. allowed. (laughs) All right. Uh, (laughs) But you can't leave off. You got to it's you got to say homosexual. That is true. If the moment you say the first part. Homo. Cancel police. Say the rest. Janaeus. Phew. Be right back. (laughs) Greg Kelly. Entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hi. Cindy McCain. Wife of John McCain. Whatever happened to her? Who cares, right? Uh, Well, I was reminded about uh, Cindy Cindy is, uh, well, a bit of a cold fish, right? I mean, I'm sorry, but uh, there was something very strange with uh, the arrangement she had with John McCain. May he rest in peace. But John McCain was uh, 
you know, a never Trumper out to screw up Trump, out to uh, sabotage his administration and uh, bitter guy, very, very much with the establishment. And um, uh, his wife is now the head of the World Food Program. What the hell is this all about? Well, uh, she was rewarded because she endorsed Joe Biden. Yeah, she endorsed Joe Biden. So she shows up yesterday on one of the one of the talk shows. Again, this is Cindy McCain, the second wife of John McCain. And uh, let's see what she had to say. Go ahead with the. We just heard this ceasefire is bringing some aid into Gaza. But UNICEF just published some information saying that there is a life threatening form of malnutrition in children that could increase by nearly 30 percent in Gaza. Weakened immune systems, weight loss, death from illness like common cold and diarrhea. They are talking simply about the children who make up half the population. What are you doing to prevent this from happening? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, first of all, the, the bottom line here is that we need to get more aid in, as, uh, as has been said. Uh, we are looking at uh, possible, possibly being on the brink of famine in this region. Uh, this is something that's not only terrific, but it will spread. And, and with that comes disease. And, and All right. So she's running that program. Weird. Uh, what is her experience to run that program? Um, uh, uh, zero. <laughs> uh, she was one, she's the heiress of a great big beer fortune. Anheuser-Busch or something like that. Uh, her dad ran the biggest beer empire in Arizona, and that's how John got himself into the House of Representatives and then the U.S. Senate. Uh, now she's in charge. But it was pointed out to me that uh, Cindy McCain apparently knew all about Jeffrey Epstein and what he was doing. It, she was caught on tape talking about this. This is a... Oop, there's the music. I'll have it right when we get back. One of Jeffrey Epstein's accusers is in a Netflix documentary. And, uh, you know, some of the accusers were just out to make money. I don't believe all of them. But this one presents video evidence that uh, Cindy McCain knew about Jeffrey Epstein and did nothing. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow, wow, wow. They're still trying to push this. uh, Anything related to a monkey must be racist. Anything related to a monkey must be racist. Um, No, that's not true. And the New York Times spent about 10,000 words trying to prove to its readers that the presence of a monkey uh, design, a monkey mural in a park is inherently racist. And they say that Robert Moses was a racist, the guy who designed the park. And they found a bunch of, uh, yeah, there's a monkey sculpture and there's like, you know, a fence. And sometimes the fence can be rather ornate and they have little, uh, you know, little figurines and they've got a couple of monkeys uh, swinging around by their tails. You know, it's a design. And uh, there's a huge thing in the Times that says this is racist because Robert Moses is a racist. And he put this in a park right next to Harlem, Riverside Park. And he was trying to get black people to not go and make them feel uncomfortable and all that stuff. Um, and do you realize billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars are being spent to eradicate what they call, um, in, in, what do they call it again? Like architectural racism, architectural racism, like somehow that racism 
is reflected in uh, city planning and buildings and that kind of thing. Uh, Robert Moses, the big book on him was written by Robert Caro, great guy, great author, great book, but not a perfect book. All kinds of mistakes in there, like any good book. <laughs> well, you want to minimize the mistakes, but some of his conclusions were wrong. He says, believe it or not, he says that you're on the Southern State Parkway, and you know the bridges on the Southern State Parkway? Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of curved. It's like an arch, right? And those bridges go back to the 1930s. There's one right next to Baldwin, New York, who used to go under all the time or over all the time and uh, off the Southern State Parkway or over the Southern State Parkway. Anyway, he says the bridge was designed like that so that buses couldn't get through. And buses would presumably be coming from the city with people of color. Now, he wrote that book in 1974, I think. It came out in 74. He was working on it for a long time. And there are plenty of people of color, Hispanic, black, whatever, uh, around in 1972, 74. Uh, but when Robert Moses was around, say in 1930, um, the state of Maine had more black people in it than New York City. It was an entirely different city, demographically speaking. Um, but nevertheless, it's kind of the, those facts are inconvenient and they're blown off. The easy story for these eggheads to sink their teeth into, like Pete Buttigieg, well, there's structural, architectural racism, and we're going to spend lots of money handing out lots of contracts to eradicate all the racism that is everywhere. And uh, one of those cases happens to be, well, I mentioned the park, uh, Riverside Park. They're getting rid of all the monkeys. In fact, they've already spent money getting rid of all the monkeys. Uh, but what about the racism in the park at uh, 61st and, and 5th Avenue? Uh, what did I spot there the other day? A monkey. Uh, actually, four monkeys. And what are they doing? They all have gongs and they're banging a bell and they're dressed. They're, they're monkeys. They're little monkey metal monkeys. Kids delight in monkeys. They're delightful animals, at least the fictionalized version of them, right? They're really nasty and they carry all kinds of disease. But <clears throat> children were fascinated by monkeys and they swing and they're invariably portrayed as friendly. Who Who grew up with Curious George? I did. Curious George and the man with the yellow hat. Now I'm told that's a, that's a racist too. The man with the yellow hat was a colonialist and somehow colonialism is, is, is bad. So, um, uh, oh yeah, they're about to spend a billion dollars putting, get this, a roof, a roof over the Cross Bronx Expressway. The Cross Bronx Expressway they want to make into a tunnel. Because a big part in that book, The Power Broker, which no one has actually read, that no one's actually read that book. Um, they love to say they read it. They love to put it on display. But no one actually has read that book. Um, they did a story once. Every, every one of these uh, political reporters who shows up from home, they always have that book behind them. Anyway, one of his things is that uh, Robert Moses uh, destroyed – communities in the Bronx with the Cross Bronx Expressway. I never really understood that, and I've read the book, actually, and I have gone through it, and I still don't, can't get my hands around that one. It, 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 I just, I feel like there's a gross simplification, but whatever. Uh, Chuck Schumer and all the uh, congressmen from the Bronx showed up, and they are going to spend not $1 billion, not $2 billion, I think $5 billion putting a roof over the Cross Bronx Expressway. The Cross Bronx Expressway is already fouled up, right? Have you ever been on the Cross Bronx? 
I usually find myself on it for whatever reason on a Saturday night going through the, and it's just always, always, always a mess. Um, putting a roof on it is not going to help anybody. It's not going to save the environment. It's going to make some people rich, some contractors, some members of Congress. It's a lot of money flowing around the Bronx to build a tunnel, uh, to fix a problem that's not a problem. That's what they love to do. They love to uh, pretend that something is a problem and then pretend to fix something that wasn't a problem. Meanwhile, they actually break something. De Blasio and the NYPD, for instance. Uh, so monkeys are not racist, okay? Remember that. <laughs> as if I, as if anybody needs to be told. But so many things that used to be just accepted in our society are now deemed with uh, suspicion and lies, especially from... Uh, what do you call it? Privileged white people. You gotta be careful out there if somebody thinks you have privilege and you happen to be white. Uh, alright, with that I'm gonna to go to Glenn. You're in Tom's River. What's up? Yeah, Greg, uh, a little uh, background information on uh, Jimmy Carter and the reason for his downfall. It, he thought it was uh, his duty uh, to turn around and read every white paper and every bill Beginning to end. Yeah, he was a micromanager. He was a micromanager, and he had no business doing that. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, micromanager. Uh, that wasn't his only problem, though, right? I mean, add, add in a complete lack of leadership ability. I mean, zero, none. This man is not a leader, was not a leader, could not lead. But, yeah, the micromanaging. Anything else? Reagan's uh, uh, methodology was that Reagan delegated, and he would turn around and have his aides Look at something, and he come back and say, "Give me uh, solution A, B, and then." Nay, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't quite that simplistic, Glenn. Well, it, it wasn't that, quite that simplistic, and Reagan was a hell of a lot smarter than anybody gives him credit. And unlike a lot of folks out there, he had a guiding philosophy. He didn't get into politics to be something. He get got into politics to do something, a lot like Trump. So he wasn't like you know fiddling. Oh, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. He had a direction. And he had people who knew it. I mean, you can go back to his days as governor of California, look through the 60s. I mean, this man had a philosophy, and he tried to enact it. And uh, good for him that he didn't always get involved in the weeds. Sometimes that blew up on him, of course. But uh, generally speaking, what a great man, great president, and great relationship with Nancy. You know? He I'm didn't up. claim to be a know-it-all. Huh? He didn't claim to be a know-it-all. Uh, he, but he knew he, a lot. You know, people who claim to be know-it-alls are jerks. Uh, but he, and the worst are know-it-alls who don't know it all. Um, but he knew what he needed to know and he had a beautiful, you know, you really shouldn't. I mean, it's pretty, you can't get us to sign up for somebody else's complex agenda. And it was a very straightforward agenda. Glenn, thank you for that. Oh, Sandra, you're standing by. Hello. Hi, Greg. You know, I was thinking about monkeys when I was little and my parents would go to Florida without the kids. She would tell me, my mom, what do you want? And I would say, I want a chimpanzee. I really did. And she would say, okay, I'm going to get you a monkey. So when she comes home, she gives me a coconut head, you know, designed to look like a monkey, and it was a bank. That was the monkey that I got. But I'm trying to say, everybody loves monkeys. I love monkeys. I would love one today if I can have one. I don't love chimpanzees, though. Uh, Chimpanzees is the most vicious Monkey there is. Uh, remember what that chimp did to that lady up in Connecticut? Ripped her face off. Remember that? I, I think I remember yeah. her name, Charla Nash. 
What a great lady. She went on to do great things, and she actually got a full face transplant. A full face transplant. And, um, oh, wow. And you ever hear the 9-11 call? Calls up and uh, the cops come, and the cops shoot that ape. They shot him dead. He was on the loose in that house. Terrible, terrible story. All right, Sandra, we have to go to Barbara now. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Greg. I was so glad I had time to watch the movie, The Fall of Minneapolis. Boy, were you right about how important that movie is and how clearly it lays out the wrong that was done there that needs to be corrected. Well, thank you, Barbara. I, we were talking about that a lot. And how about this? Uh, Derek Chauvin got stabbed in prison uh, over the weekend, nearly died. And do you think it had anything to do with the movie? My wife seems to think it has a lot to do with the movie coming out. You know, I would imagine he's a high-profile kind of target, high-profile prisoner anyway. I'm shocked that he wasn't in protective custody. Derek Chauvin is innocent. And I would not have said that in uh, the summer of 2020. Uh, it took me a couple of months to kind of take a look at this, you know, with fresh eyes and a fresh perspective. Actually, it took me about two months. It happened in May, and by July, I was like, you know what? I don't think I've been told the whole story, and I think there's more to this. Do you think it had anything to do with that movie coming out? And Once again, everybody should see, and you can see it for free, The Fall of Minneapolis. Go to thefallofminneapolis.com. Don't forget the the. TheFallOfMinneapolis.com, and you can watch it for free. Click on the Rumble thing, and you can. I hope they actually make it into a miniseries. I think it's great. I think it's, uh, but it, it's. I want it expanded. I want it to be bigger. You think it had anything to do with it? I definitely do. That was the first thing that came to my mind, and I saw that he was stabbed before I actually had time to watch the movie. And I absolutely do. If he's dead, it'll be a big splash, but it'll be off the headlines in two days. But if this goes back to court or is appealed or his, he is released, that will be an ongoing trauma to the other side who are used to getting away with these things now. They sure are. They sure are. They are you and they're because they control just about everything, including the media. And every day I'm reminded just how just how much peril we're in because the media are almost completely co-opted and owned by the left. Um, that yes. means a uh, conservative media more important than ever before. Barbara, thank you. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, one other thing about Cindy McCain. She's talking about she's the head of the World Food Program. Cindy McCain. Known for, uh, what is she known for? Marrying uh, John McCain. Started to date him when John McCain was still married to Mrs. McCain. Yeah, there was another Mrs. McCain, a great lady who went on to serve in the Reagan White House. But anyway, uh, she got a job as the world, and she was like, you know, a deputy protocol person. Not not a big, big job, an appropriate job for for the wife of an important person. But uh, Cindy McCain is the head of the World Food Program. That's a heavy lift. But then again, it's, you know, the United Nations and everything like that. UNICEF. I heard her talking about UNICEF. I used to love UNICEF. We all did, right? Those orange little boxes running around. But everything the U.N. touches is basically corrupt. Uh, and the way they hand out stuff and the way they uh, they squander stuff and how anti-American they are and how anti-Israel they are. And there's Cindy McCain in the middle of it all. Hey, you heard at this point, I know I've played conversations I've had with my three-year-old daughter, uh, Annalise, but I haven't done that as much with my one-year-old daughter, in part because 
Well, she's only one, and she really can't speak yet. Uh, here I am trying to have a talk with her, and she kind of sounds like pebbles from uh, from from what was that? The, the Flintstones, right? <laughs> we call her Zuby sometimes. That's her little nickname because it sounds a little bit like how she speaks. Go ahead. Hmm. What letter is this? Father. Mm. What's this? I go to Jiggle. You what? He's a big tree. Who? <laughs> Doesn't it even sound mm-hmm. like a language? Look. What? Fingers. fingers. Yeah, she's trying to say fingers. Fingers. Okay. I think she's going to say one more thing. Well, not. It's kind of fun, right? Wait. All right, she's trying to say something, but, you know, and by the way, somebody I played this like, oh, is she doing okay? Yeah, she's doing perfectly. She's actually more vocal than the uh, Annalise was at that stage. She's just one, so she uh, her vocabulary is rather limited, but her energy is uh, through the roof, and uh, her curiosity, and uh, she's so gentle. Uh, it's an amazing thing to watch happen before my eyes. Um, let's see here. The other thing we had to talk about. We're oh, Tom Cotton, one of my favorite U.S. senators, favorite people, actually. The word is Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas, uh, not that this really matters or should matter, but it's one little thing that I like. He graduates from Harvard Law School and then enrolls in the infantry of the Army. You know, he didn't become an Army lawyer. He actually became an infantry officer. Um, he has a lot of insight into foreign affairs. I am told that if Trump gets back in, he will be the Secretary of Defense. And what a great pick that is. Uh, cut 13, Senator Tom Cotton on the Fox News Sunday show. We have elite special operations forces who are specifically trained in hostage rescue. I, I do think we have to be deferential to Israelis, to the Israeli government and the Israeli defense forces about the tactical situation on the ground. But if American military forces are called upon and can provide a viable solution to get out American citizens and the citizens of Israel or other nations, then we have to be open to that. But again, it's not just those small special operations units that we have trained. We have two aircraft carriers in the region. We've increased the number of troops and aircraft we have in the region. Yet Hamas is still so contemptuous of President Biden that it hasn't yet released American hostages. This would have never happened under Donald Trump or Ronald Reagan. In fact, if you recall, Jimmy Carter had a hostage crisis with Iran, Hamas's patron, for over 400 days. Iran released those hostages the day Ronald Reagan took office because they were so scared of what Ronald Reagan might do to them. You don't see that kind of fear of President Biden from Hamas or Iran or, frankly, anyone around the world. I love it. And he's so damn spot on. He's not the only one to observe that, by the way. I mean, that's uh, we, <laughs> we're all watching and we all noticed. Uh, hey, wait a second. <laughs> Just the moment Reagan gets in there. And no, there's no October surprise. There was no backdoor stuff. That that whole thing gets me a little bit worked up. All right, I got a split in a moment. Uh, Rick, yes. Yeah, Greg. Uh, I think we can charge those people that block bridges and keep students pinned in a library with kidnapping because they're holding people against their will. 
Kidnapping, huh? Uh, maybe the, uh, all right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. They're going very easy on them because the authorities agree with them, but maybe, maybe. Thank you, uh, Rick. Patrick. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, the fall of Minneapolis. That case went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court refused to take the case. That's how much the left has um, um, threatened the whole society. They're now getting to the Supreme Court and threatening them that they won't take cases that are so so plain that uh, that, that guy was framed and the police commissioner lied and the judge wouldn't allow the evidence that uh, it was in the book, that uh, the training book for police and uh, the prosecutor didn't give the defense evidence that he had, that they had, that the guy was, guy was uh, innocent. He was kneeling on the shoulder and not on the neck. Yeah, I went uh, through this. I agree with you, especially that point about the Supreme Court. Uh, you're right about that, Patrick, and I'm probably going to develop that uh, with some video. Uh, you're damn right. Once they showed up, remember, uh, after the Dobbs thing, that memo leaked? And they showed up outside of Kavanaugh's house, the big mob, and they allowed that to happen, which is against the law. You're you're not allowed to congregate and parade outside of a Supreme Court justice's house or a judge's house because it could obviously interfere with the decision-making, with the judgment. And they won. They got what they wanted. Now the Supreme Court, they're scared of their own shadow, and they think uh, it's their duty or something to pick and choose cases that will preserve order. Not law and order, but just order. They don't want anybody showing up at their house. They ought to put these justices on a military base for their own security. Great point, Patrick. And uh, he's right. I, I can't believe that. Now, the show, I, I understand there's another element that they can appeal, that Chauvin can appeal. And uh, that may work its way uh, through the system. But this guy does not belong in jail right now, I am convinced. Russ, real quick, how are you? Hey, Greg, uh, you know, I want to tell you, Adam Mignola is the best caller you have. No, that's not true, Russ. Actually, it's um, uh, they're all great callers. Everybody's a great caller. But the uh, the 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 winner really goes to uh, two people, Barbara and Sandra. All right. It's they've been officially recognized as such. All right. So you can't not you can't nominate anybody. We have a nomination procedure here and you're not eligible to nominate, Russ. Sorry. Um, Everything else good with you? Well, I just wonder if you have a male category, but, you know, I want to know, is this Jeffrey? A male category. Oh, you think it's uh, prejudiced against men? Well, what do you want, trans category? Yeah, all right, all right. Watch your mouth there, Russ. Um, Anyway, good stuff, everybody. To be continued, thank you.